0: Now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello everybody and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill, as always, breaking down all things patriots on a pretty crazy. Couple of hours, couple of days in Patriots Nation. Week one is officially in the books. It is on to week two. On to the Dolphins. The Steelers are in the rear view. But first and foremost, Rich, how are you, man? How was your week one? Dude, it's amazing how much has happened for the Patriots this year, <laughs> and we're one week into it. I don't know
1: if there's any possible way for this team to top what has happened so far in the first 24 hours of the league. But if if this is just a just the smallest smallest amount of what is in store for us, this is going to be the craziest year ever.
0: You know, it's funny. As you may or may not know, I do a top 20 moments of the previous season in the off season. I've already got like 18. I don't know had the game has been started. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is crazy. Obviously, we'll get to the Steelers game first and foremost. We'll get to week one around the league, the games that were, the scores and all that good stuff. But Rich, I feel we'd be remiss to each other and to our hundreds of listeners if we didn't start off with... Probably the most ridiculous news I've ever experienced as a Patriots fan. Antonio Brown is in New England. He may be living at Tom Brady's house now, depending on who you talk to. Uh, To quote the late, great Freddie Mercury, is this the real life or is this just fantasy?
1: Dude, honestly, I, I cannot remember a moment like this in the Bill Belichick era where you are just watching and you're like, this can't happen, right? This, this cannot be a transaction that the Patriots are going to make where they acquire. Oh, they're doing it. They are getting one of the three best wide receivers in the entire league. And they're not getting a player who's coming off of a down year. They're not getting a player who has spent a few years in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness and they, you know what, they're recovering them and they're coming back and you know what? Maybe they'll be, give us a chance to do well. That's the Demarius Thomas signing. They're getting Antonio Brown, who's coming off one of his, like, strong seasons, his regular strong seasons, almost 1,300 yards, a league-leading 15 receiving touchdowns. And they're adding him to an offense that absolutely annihilated the Pittsburgh Steelers? Dude, I'm a splenox. I What was going
0: through your head when you were seeing this news? You know, it's funny. I was I was out uh, and about on the weekend on Saturday, and I got the notification to my phone breakers breaking Patriots are signing Antonio Brown. And I just I just froze in the middle of the sidewalk and it looked like there's no way this could possibly be happening. And I looked and I saw the tweets and it was Adam Schefter and he's always right. And nothing has happened to the contrary. And I the first thing that went through my mind, honestly, was. There's got to be some way that Bill Belichick orchestrated this, like a long con, some kind of long game. <laughs> back when he offered the Steelers a first round pick all the way back in March for AB, Steelers said, We're never dealing him to you. And so Belichick's like, All right, let's send him to Oakland. I'll give him some stuff to do on the snap face and the MyChat, and then he'll be a, a Patriot before week one. I know it's not really the case, but I just never in a million years thought that A, he'd be available. B, he'd go to the Patriots, and C, he'd go to the Patriots the way he went to the Patriots. It's almost like the thing that everyone saw coming when they, they caught him, and which think, I, I don't know. I'm still at a loss of words, and I'm mumbling because I'm still – it happened. It's a reality, and I still can't believe it.
1: Yeah, seriously. I mean, this was something that the Patriots, they were showed that they were interested in Antonio Brown back in March. They were willing to trade a first-round pick to get him back then. The Steelers said, no way. We're not going to help out one of our biggest rivals in the entire conference. We're going to send him to the middle of nowhere in Oakland. And now the Patriots get him. And they didn't have to give up any draft capital for it. They have him on an extraordinarily team-friendly deal. I don't know if you saw the contract details. So, he, yeah, he gets a $9 million signing bonus. That's solid. And he can make up to $15 million this year. But the way that he can achieve all of those bonuses is only if he produces better than he did last season. So... All of these are not likely to be earned incentives from a contractual standpoint. All of it will not impact the salary cap this year. It'll move it to next year, yada, yada, yada. Patriots have Antonio Brown on a complete bargain. They did not have to give up draft capital for him. This is amazing. You cannot draw up a better trajectory to bring him to the Patriots. And Alec, what does this mean for the Patriots offense?
0: Well, this now means that the Patriots receiving core is Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Marius Thomas, Antonio Brown, Philip Dorsett, and Jacoby Myers, I guess, if he makes it. I don't even know anymore. With James White and Rex Burkhead coming out of the backfield, I have no idea how you cover that. Not only that, but the combined cap hit for Edelman, Brown, Gordon, and Philip Dorsett is $16.5 million. The cap hit for OBJ alone is $17 million. And the, and the Giants are eating $60 million of dead money on the OBJ contract. So this is just the absolute embarrassment of riches, especially based on the game we saw last night, which we'll get to in a minute. This is the team. They don't even need Antonio Brown. That's the amazing part. They don't need this guy. Here's this all-world talent coming into New England, going to light it up. I think he's going to be a model prisoner. I really believe it's going to work out for him. Maybe I'm being a homer here. But... They are already explosive offense. They went from a Super Bowl contender to a serious Super Bowl contender in a matter of hours. And if you're 31 other teams in the NFL, you are shaking your head in disbelief right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm thrilled with what he's going to do because, yeah, exactly what you said. We saw how much the Patriots were already able to do against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't have a bad defense. No, I'm not going to say that they're a great defense, but they have one of the best defensive lines that you're going to see in the entire league. They have very athletic linebackers. And the Patriots said, it means nothing to us. We're totally fine. We're going to just absolutely dominate you. And now you're adding in Antonio Brown. I I put this on Twitter. It's one of those weird tweets that always goes super viral for whatever reason. But there were four players on the Patriots right now, right? If you are having Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, and Antonio Brown as your top three, and Demarius Thomas as your number four, Demarius Thomas has come back from an Achilles injury. He's not going to be the same player that he was in 2013, but he is a great number two. Can you imagine him as your number four and include James White out there or Rex Burkhead? What team can possibly cover all of these wide receivers? There isn't one. There is not a single team in the NFL that could cover three out of those four guys, and now they're including Antonio Brown, and I am just hoping upon hope that whatever we see the Patriots bring out against the Miami Dolphins in week two of the season is just a taste of what this potential could be.
0: Yeah. I mean, I will, I will be the resident pessimist for a minute and remind everybody that we're Also, in a precarious situation, right? Elements 33, so he's not young anymore as far as receiving years goes. Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown are both very big question marks. Will they finish the season? I don't know. Demarius Thomas is coming off uh, Achilles, and he's got a bum hamstring. And Philip Dorsett is a good fourth option. So there's definitely a chance, Rich, that the Patriots are still kind of screwed at receiver down the line because things can happen injuries or drug test failures or free and all stuff can happen, but I am very optimistic as to everybody who's currently on the roster still being on the roster, unless the Patriots cut somebody because they just don't need them anymore. I don't know. Do you think this has potential to be a, a 07-like offense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the most talented offenses
1: we've ever seen, and they're complemented by one of the best defenses of the Belichick era. That is the recipe for getting the ball back to the offense, getting them as many opportunities as possible to drive down the field and score. And the big question mark I have is with the offensive line, depending on how long Marcus Cannon uh, might be out for with whatever injury he suffered against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but assuming that he'll be back in time for the postseason, this could arguably what be one of the top three offenses of the Belichick era, along with one of the top three defenses we could be seeing one of the best teams in franchise history.
0: Let me ask you this, Rich. I don't want to dwell too much on A.B. because he's not officially on the roster. Oh, he's officially on the roster now, but he hasn't played a game yet, so I don't want to get too deep into the A.B. weeds. But let me ask you this. If you had to bet right now, will Antonio Brown be on this team come, say, January? Have you taken that bet? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I
0: see this as being a situation where
1: Antonio Brown knows that this is a make it or break it recovery for him. He wanted to get out of Pittsburgh, and he signed a deal with the Patriots right now that is structured in a similar way to what Darrell Rivas got from New England in 2014, where Rebus was of a similar age on a career trajectory as Antonio Brown. Rebus put in a career year. He had previously signed that two-year contract with New England, where that second year was going to be voided because New England was never going to pick it up. New England was able to receive a compensatory draft pick for it. Revis cashed in a final amazing contract with the New York Jets. And the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Everyone was happy. I see that happening with Antonio Brown right now, where he recognizes that this is an opportunity for him to really reestablish his value and allow him to hit the open market next year in 2020 in a way that he was unable to do this offseason. And if he can show that he's still that same guy that absolutely dominated with the Pittsburgh Steelers, if he can put in a similar year to what Brandon Cooks did with the Patriots in 2017, if he can come in and say, all right, I made 1,100 yards from scrimmage and 10 touchdowns, once he hits free agency, he's going to get a huge contract, and I think he recognizes that. So I would assume that he's going to be on his best behavior, and he's going to contribute to the team in all the ways that the Patriots hope he will.
0: I agree with that completely. Not only that, I think it's that a scenario where he has to know, and if he doesn't know, his agent better tell him that players that don't make it in New England that can't hack it for whatever reason due to behavioral issues or not buying into the team or guys that are seen as problem children that go to New England to rehab, if they don't make it through that system – Most teams won't touch them after that. You don't see Albert Haynesworth getting a new contract. Ocho Cinco is more or less out of the league, not because of disciplinary issues, but he couldn't pick the offense up. So if you can't make it New England, you're probably not going to make it anywhere. So even if A.B. hates it there, I think he's at least smart enough to and selfish enough to buy in for the one year, cash his big contract in somewhere else, and then go nuts. It's going to be difficult. I think one of the reasons that Ocho Cinco failed in New England is because he really couldn't be himself. He's an outspoken guy, he likes to celebrate and cause drama and do all that, it's a really big part of who he is, and he couldn't really unleash that part of himself, and I felt that affected his play. Will Antonio Brown be able to do that? I don't know. We will see, and I'm really excited to find out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think his route running will fit in perfectly with the New England offense, and we'll break this down on our second podcast of the week when we preview the Patriots against the Dolphins to kind of figure out what Antonio Brown's role might be in the second week of the season. But before we get there, I think it is time to break down the Patriots' first game of the season where they absolutely annihilated the Pittsburgh Steelers 33-3. Alec, what was going through your head during this game?
0: Rich, I don't know about you, but I thought this game was over about maybe three quarters of the way through the first quarter. It was only 10 to nothing. Not like the score was out of control by that point, but the Steelers were unable to do anything offensively. The Patriots had a couple of – I think it took them about a drive and a half to get comfortable. Brady looked kind of off. I think they ran it five straight times in a very wobbly incompletion for their first drive. And then a couple of really off passes on the second drive. But they got it going after that. And after that happened, it was all Patriots, all three phases of the game. It was as complete a offensive, defensive, special performance as I can remember – in a week one, the Patriots are very famous for starting out kind of slow and finishing 2-2 two and two in September. This is a 30-point win, and it wasn't even that close. It's weird to say that, but it wasn't. And I can't imagine – I guess I can always nitpick and think that things that, that could have gone better, but it's very tough to imagine a better start to the season than – Hoisting your sixth banner against the team that prided themselves on being the only team that had six banners, beating that team by 30 points while their best player now plays for you watching in the <laughs> owner's box. doesn't get better than that. Oh, it's so
1: true. I mean, yeah, of course, the Patriots' first drive on offense was a little bit iffy. Tom Brady's, like, pass was not the most accurate. And I wonder if a little bit of that has to do with Ted Karras' snaps at center, where the ball was kind of floating, and so Brady wasn't able to get back into his drops and his normal rhythm. And you could see the ball hover a little bit before he got there. Karras didn't realize that was happening. Brady didn't acknowledge it, but Belichick said something on Monday morning to the tune that, you know what, that anything that impacts the timing more than what you're used to uh, is going to impact the offense. It's going to impact the rhythm. So hopefully Ted Karras will show a little more zip in his snaps out there, but didn't affect the Patriots too much because they scored on seven out of their nine real drives. You know, the game was out of hand. They didn't really try to score on that final drive that they have with four minutes left in the game, but they scored on uh, seven of their first nine. They did a, a very, very impressive job. And, Alec, if you had to choose one player to be considered
0: the offensive MVP, who would it be? Uh, it, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Philip Dorsett. Um, not only did he have four catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns, but he has caught the last 20 passes Tom Brady has thrown his way. What an underrated guy he's turned into. He's not flashy. He's not going to get you those kind of numbers every single week, but he was open. He ran his good roots. He's been consistent from day one of the preseason. He's been the only guy out there every single week. So while there are players that are more explosive than him, I mean, obviously Gordon had a great game, but Rex Burkhead was fantastic. I want to give Philip Dorsett his day in the sun because he's been Mr. Consistency of the Patriots since he came here. Every chance he's gotten, he's taken advantage of it. So today's his day to shine for me.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, those touchdowns that he had were just simply gorgeous. I want to give so many props to Dorsett for getting open showing that he's on the exact same page as Tom Brady. But also, Brady was throwing balls better than he did at probably any other point last year. If I'm being honest, those deep passes, a couple of them to Dorsett, one of them to Josh Gordon in the middle of the field, those, and you know throw the one into Jacoby Myers as well. Those were probably as good of a pass we've seen from Brady, and I would rank them probably better than most of his passes from last year. He showed a lot of zip. The velocity was incredible. They didn't float out there. He got them to the receiver in a place where only they could catch it. It showed so many positives just from a rapport standpoint, an ability standpoint. Very excited what that means for the rest of Tom Brady's season, but... I agree with you. Philip Dorsett has kind of become a forgotten man. I'm going to be honest. I'm one of those people. Uh, (laughs) I didn't even mention him in one of those top four receivers uh, with Edelman, Gordon, Antonio Brown, Demarius Thomas. Could Philip Dorsett be one of those top producers for the Patriots? Maybe. I mean, he, he has shown that he could take on that Chris Hogan deep threat sort of role against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The big question for me remains whether this was just simply a matchup opportunity where New England knows that they will always have the opportunity for one of those big, busted coverage plays against the Steelers because of how they roll their safeties, and there's always going to be a breakdown at some point. It's just a matter of if New England can capitalize at that given moment, or if Philip Dorsett's going to actually be a big part of the Patriots' offense moving forward. Because you look at a target perspective, Edelman is clearly number one. but James White and Rex Burkhead had seven and eight targets apiece, both Dorsett only had four. And so I'm wondering if whatever the Patriots are doing with these two running back sets out of their backfield could really change how, uh, what the, how the Patriots are playing this year. And is this going to be the next revolution for their offense in the same way that Wes Welker represented a change from the slot and Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez did from the tight end position? I'm curious to know if these two running back sets are going to really change the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've gone back and watched the All-22 yet, but I feel like the bulk of their offensive formations came in a shotgun, two backs, three wide receivers. That seems to be kind of whatever their base offense is. What I loved about that, though, is their base offense wasn't just James White and Rex Burkhead motioning them both out. There's a couple of sets where Brady was in shotgun, and it was, I think, James White and James Devlin. We're back there. I've never seen James Devlin lined up on the shotguns left of Tom Brady before. Very unique. And they ran a couple of draw plays out of it, which gave Devlin like a head of steam to plow over some poor schmuck while, while James White hit the, the hole. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very curious to see. I don't think the running game was really a focus for the Pittsburgh game because, as you mentioned, it's a very strong defensive front and decent linebackers. Their secondary is their weak spot, so why not attack that? But as we, if the fifty-nine to ten beatdown that the Dolphins gave got from the Ravens, an indicator they're very weak up front. The Dolphins are so maybe that game plan will change. I think to your point about Philip Dorsett's role. I really don't know if he has one. I guess it really will depend on, on AB, whether AB can step in right away. It's not an easy playbook to learn, so it might take him a couple of weeks to get acclimated to the point where he can really contribute. And it also depends on whether Demaryius Thomas can come back from a hamstring injury. I do think Dorsett will get pushed down the depth chart because he's just not as talented as the guys on the roster. But it's a pretty sweet fifth receiver to have when your number five target has 95 yards and two TDs. <laughs>
1: Oh, it's so true. I mean, we saw this happen last year as well. Once the Patriots acquired uh, Josh Gordon, that Dorsett, who was originally part of the Patriots offense, kind of faded away. I wouldn't be shocked if that were to happen again, but this was definitely a career day for Dorsett. I thought it was very exciting and promising for what he should bring to the table. And I mean, anytime you put up 33 points and you look as dominant as the Patriots did, Uh, They had a few drives stall uh, pretty close to the goal line against the Steelers. They had a field goal uh, from the seven-yard line. They had a field goal from the 23, from the 17, and from the 21. So they were very much on the the doorstep of the Steelers. They would love to be able to finish it and actually punch in those scores. But this offense was really, really ticking. And so was the Patriots defense for yeah. the second game in a row. They've only allowed three points and this time against a high flying Steelers offense. Alec, what were your thoughts on the new England defense?
0: It's crazy, Rich, how you and I just spent the first half of this podcast talking about how excited we were about this new crazy wide receiving core. And even with that, they're still the second best unit on this team. This secondary is unreal. Again, I know it's overreaction Monday and one game means absolutely nothing, but this secondary unit, they played so well. I thought that they were fantastic. Not only were they in their, their pass coverage, but they were right around the ball. They were, there was very few yards after the catch. There's a lot of pass breakups. They passed off players really well. There were a couple of breakdowns and a couple of scenarios where there were guys open deep where uh, Roethlisberger overthrew them. But other than that one 30 some or 40 some yard bomb to James Washington – the Steelers were able to get nothing done all night, and there wasn't this massive pass rush that was keeping Rothsburg around his toes all night. They only rushed three or four guys most of the time. It was the linebacking core keeping him in the pocket, and the secondary just locking down these receivers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers have a good number one receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster. It's not like there's nobody out there, and I could not be happier with what they did.
1: Yeah, seriously, I would say that the overall MVP for the game would have to be that new in the secondary because Spawn Gilmore did a great job limiting... Juju Smith-Schuster out of the slot all over the field. Uh, Until garbage time, there wasn't really too much that Smith-Schuster had to show for what he was doing over the course of the game. So Gilmore did a great job shadowing him, but Jason McCourty did a great job. Jonathan Jones did an outstanding job. Uh, Between McCourty and Jones, they blocked five passes, knocked them down, knocked down five passes. You include what Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung did from the safety position. That's a safety and two more passes defended. This New England secondary is incredible. They roll so deep, that's not even talking about Deron Harmon and what he's able to do, or J.C. Jackson, who is also contributing, did a good job against uh, Smith-Schuster in the fourth quarter when the Patriots decided to give Stefan Gilmore a little bit of a rest. This secondary was nuts. If you can limit any team to three points, that's a great day. If you can hold Ben freaking Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense to three points... That is a dominant performance. That is really asserting New England's place atop the league with quality from their secondary. And I mean, the way that the Patriots defense has developed in previous years, this means that they're probably only gonna get better. They're not peaking now. They always peak during the final quarter of the season into the postseason. So if this is where they're starting from, I cannot imagine how good they're gonna be down the stretch.
0: Let me ask you this, Rich. Do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2019 are a playoff-caliber team, or are they in a lot of trouble based on what you saw yesterday? I know it's early and you know, on, so I don't want to read too much into the, the loss and the body language and the, the chemistry and whatnot. Will the Steelers be okay in the playoffs, or are they kind of done this year, do you think?
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they are a playoff team because they are the Steelers that are always going to be there. Uh, it remains to be seen whether they will be a contender or one of those first-round outs teams. You know, I would say that right now the Patriots and the Chiefs are clearly the two favorites in the AFC. They are likely to be there at the end of the day, but the Ravens looked incredible, but was that just because the Dolphins are awful? Um, and then the, if you throw in the Steelers, will always be there. The Texans were, are very, very consistent. Uh, I mean, that whole AFC South, they're pretty solid in the sense that there'll be like a couple teams vying for nine or ten wins. And So include the Chargers, include the, the, the Chiefs, the Steelers are probably in that three, four, five, six seed marking. They're definitely in contention. I wouldn't say that they are best, and I wouldn't say that they have one of the best chances to win the Super Bowl. But this wasn't a, a schlub team that the Patriots defeated. You know, this isn't the fact that they didn't wipe out the Miami Dolphins and they didn't take out, uh, you know, Cincinnati. They would beat a very good team that is expected to contend, and uh, they did it in just absurdly dominant fashion.
0: No, they did. And to that end all, close with this, Rich. Is there anything you saw from the Patriots in this Sunday night game that concerns you? Anything to worry about? Uh, for me, it's the offensive line. A little worried about Marcus Cannon. That'd be a huge loss if he's injured. I hope Ted Karras fixes his shotgun snap because shotgun is a very important formation for the Patriots, obviously. But anything else that really stood out to you as a potential red flag or is it mostly just dominance from top to bottom?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was dominance top to bottom, but I would say I agree with you. I think that offensive line, however well uh, Marcus Cannon's able to return and in what form and how quickly, is going to dictate a lot because the Patriots' offensive line is one of their strengths. That rushing attack was very uh, unsuccessful for the Patriots. Sony Michelle, 14 yards on 15 carries. A lot of it during garbage time, a lot of it in scenarios where the Steelers knew that New England was going to run the ball, so wasn't the best opportunities for Sony Michel to really generate too much on offense, but if the offensive line does struggle, this is already a team missing their top center in David Andrews. If they lose Marcus Cannon for any amount of time, you're talking about 40% of an offensive line. That's, that's a lot of impact. You're already trying to integrate Isaiah Wynn at left tackle and if your best players are Shaq Mason and Joe Tooney and you're moving Joe Tooney to right tackle, like we saw during the stretch once Cannon was out of the game, if you're having one of your best guards play tackle, you're only really seeing Shaq Mason showing any real consistency on the line, and that's a question. That is a big possible issue, so hopefully Marcus Cannon's injury is not for a long-term thing. Hopefully Corey Cunningham will be up and ready to play next week against the Miami Dolphins, but other than the offensive line, New England should be extraordinarily proud about the success of their team.
0: Agreed, man. Pretty good start, and the Patriots have a pretty easy slate of games coming up, based on what we saw on week one. So any kinks that they did have, they should have some good opportunities to work it out, starting with next week at the Miami Dolphins, which we will get to later on this week.
1: Excellent. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy.